Welcome back to the Bible Caddy Podcast. I'm William Kane. I'm joined by my good buddies, Webb Simpson, and in his Christmas jammies, Ben Crane. What's up, fellas? <laughs> Bringing the heat with the Christmas jammies. <laughs> How about that? Last episode of the year, and you just coming in ready. Uh, my Santa hat was somewhere in our our costume closet. I couldn't find it. I was going to bring the bring the. I mean, Santa you hat. even have the Bose headphones matching the the shirt. <laughs> Super dialed. So dialed. Um, well, boys, we're a couple days away from Christmas, um, and this is our last episode of 2023. So I thought we could kind of, um, as we finish one year and move into the next, we could close out uh, our banter time by doing a little looking backwards. So if you had to say biggest golf story of 2023, what would you say? I'd say June 6th, we're at the Canadian Open on that Tuesday, and Jay Monahan, our commissioner, is on MSNBC with Yasir, uh, the guy who uh, runs the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, who started the Live Tour, and they're shaking hands. And we went from, um, I guess you could say, enemies to joining in to do a deal together. Um, and that kind of shit, that sent shockwaves through the golf world for sure. What do you think, Ben? Buddy. I cannot add or take away from that. Yeah, and Ben, you and I were together that day, buddy. How about Commissioner that? calls a meeting among the players, and players were hot uh, for sure. Um, man, it was a big day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's definitely been some big off course news, right? Um, what about on course news? When you look back at just the actual golf year, what stands out to you? Man, I, mean, I just this, this is kind of the the post tiger era of golf where mm-hmm. tiger is not on the front stage and you know, what's the state of golf like? And we've just seen that the players that grew up watching him on TV have completely arrived. They are, have every part of the game. They're longer, they're more fit. Um, Scotty Scheffler is the most elite ball striker in the world. Victor Hovland played some of the best golf we've ever seen. Um, Rory McIlroy contends, you know, regularly. John Rahm is always a threat. So Xander Shoffley, you know, then we start to go into, the, you know, Patrick Cantley, Max Holmes, some of these guys. The Ryder Cup was absolutely epic. Um, so golf is in a great place. And um, I think Tiger has, has left golf. Not that he's left golf at all, but it, but he's he's moved golf into the best place I think it's ever been in. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> To add to Ben, I, I I read this earlier about Scotty Scheffler, just some historic things. And I think it kind of brings me back to Tiger a little in the sense that when Tiger was winning all the time, you kind of got used to it. So your appreciation for greatness kind of dulls a little over time. And with Scotty, he just he set all kinds of ball striking records this year, um, which we've talked about on this podcast. But I did love this one. Just a little nod to Tiger the Big Cat. That Scheffler finished with a scoring average this season of uh, 68.63. It's the seventh lowest of all time. And spots one through six were held by Tiger Woods himself. And I just love that. I mean, no. he's, Tiger was lower than that in 99, 2000, 2002, 2003, 2007, and 2009. Um, so, and to the listeners, remember, Tiger's not playing – the American Express Championship where 25 under wins, right? 
Ben, he's playing Akron, Bay Hill, Torrey US Pines, Open. US Opens, M- right? Hardest golf courses, hardest fields, and he's doing that. So, a little nod to Tiger. Merry Christmas, Tiger. <laughs> hey, the other, the other one you told me, Webb, was if you take uh, strokes gain off the tee, Scheffler this year, how many he yep. gained, strokes yep. gain uh, approach, Scheffler again, yep. strokes gain around the green, Jay Bird, number one, yep. and then strokes gain putting, Mav McNeely, and you yep. add them all up. What was the stat about Tiger? Uh, so you add those statistical leaders up. You have a strokes gain of 3.7 shots around. Tiger in 2000, every round averaged 3.83 strokes gained per round himself. <laughs> he was more than <laughs> the combined best on the PGA Tour. So I, I'm going to throw it out there to the listeners. Debate me, email me if you want. Tiger's season in 2000 was the greatest season of any sportsman in history. Debate wow. me. Let, let, wow. let me hear some arguments. There's some great that's ones, but that's my, that's my favorite. Unbelievable. He did. He putted. He chipped, he yep. bunkered, he wedged, he drove, he ironed it better than all the best players in the world in 2023 <laughs> for an entire year with, let's just call it, lesser equipment. Yes. Yep. It's absolutely insane to be the number one in every category. We've heard of people you know, being number one, maybe in two categories, but in all of them, that is freaky. That's the best stat I've ever heard. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Love that. All right. Favorite Bible Caddy episode of oh, 2023. On, just, in, in light of that, I now know my answer to the question, who's the GOAT? He doesn't have oh, wow. the most majors, but I'm, I'm changing now because of that stat. I'm changing. He's <laughs> the greatest that. player of all time. You know, thanks to Jack Nicholas. Shout out to Jack. You sat there in Ben's heart for a long, long time. <laughs> you just <laughs> tipped off, Jack. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, favorite favorite podcast of the last years. Any any podcast in particular, any passage in particular come to mind? Man, Prodigal Son. Just mm. I just it just resonates so much with me. It's so much of um my conversion story of just being elder brother like and seeing God's grace even in that and getting to do that with you boys two mm. of my closest friends it's just man that was that was a sweet one but honestly this is one of the, my highlights of the year is just doing this with you boys uh, relationally mm. but also just growing in the word and, and prayer together yeah I think William and Ben um the one that comes to mind first is the the one on adoption and I just like what unites us first and foremost is uh, our faith in Christ, and we love a game of golf. We love good food. We love to laugh, all that stuff. But it's really cool when we get to t- talk about personal stories where like, we know the greatest love story is that God loves us, right? He came for us. He justified us, which would have been far more than we ever deserved. But he goes further than that as Packer helps us. He adopts us. And Ben, hearing you talk about crew and y'all's experience, just making it so personal, like you can experience what adoption's like on this side of eternity two ways. The physical, your son, you, you can hold him, hug him. Uh, you adopted him. He's, he's a crane forever. But then to feel that the way God adopts us into his family, that he loves us so much, 
that in spite of us, he adopted us, just continues to impact me. And um, I know you get a, a visual picture of that every day and you're a boy. Hmm. So that was cool. Every mm-hmm. night when I tuck him in, I say, crew, are you my son? And he says, yeah, daddy. And I say, how long will you be my son? He says, forever. <laughs> and I said, is there anything you could do not to be my son? He says, no, daddy. That's awesome. I love that. Man, we're going to see something similar in this passage. Um, makes me want to jump right to it. But before we do, a golf question for you guys. So it's the end of the year. And professionally, um, how do you guys recap the year behind and then make adjustments as you head into the year ahead? So I know a lot of guys will kind of meet with the, their team. They'll look at their stats. What's that process for you guys? And how do you kind of, yeah, look backward and look forward in an effort to improve your craft? I do a um, kind of a year in assessment with my sports psychologist, and we kind of hit every area, but I'll just zero in on one. Like the goals that we set are all um, statistical goals. And so, for example, driving this year, let's say I finished 98th in strokes gained driving. We talk about it. We assess, can I get better? Like, do I have a ceiling? Like, I'm never going to be a top five, top 10 strokes gained driver. I just don't hit it far enough. Um, what is a realistic goal next year? Maybe 75th to 65th would be a great year for me driving. So we kind of zero in on those goals. Um, where I'm weak, we talk about them. We figure out ways in the offseason to improve and then how to implement those in the, you know, once the season starts. Um, but it's kind of like honest and sober conversation with me and my sports psychologist. He'll bring in my caddy, David Cook, to talk about are there issues that he has that he wants to raise. Um, and it's, it's really a collaborative work. And then I take those new, newly written goals into the next season. And I'm not looking at them every day, but um, probably once a month, I'm kind of checking in with my stats, with my mental prep and plan, and how am I carrying them out. Um, and I think those, uh, you know, every few weeks looking at it, refreshing myself, keeps me focused on it. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Well, um, when I was having team meetings uh, with caddy, manager, um, you know, um, pastor, um, and short game coach, swing coach, when we were having those meetings, um, I would do something after every round. I would do a, a voice analysis that Lanny Basham encouraged me to do, which was what I did well, what I learned, what I'm going to do about what I learned. I said those th- three things on a voice memo, sent it into the team. They kept track of them. And then we went through at, uh, in a meeting, we would, um, for two days, we would go through all the stats. We would say why um, from every category. Everyone would speak except for me. Um, and they would give their opinion. And then we would come up with a plan together. And um, my short game coach at the time looked at me as we walked out of the meeting, take a break. And he goes, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you're getting killed in there. And I'm like, that's how we grow. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that's right. That's how we grow. So. Uh, those were really fun. And I just would like walk out of those team meetings, just like feeling like commissioned to just to, you know, to, to hone in on a few very simple things, but they were very well thought out through stats, Mm -hmm. um, through what I had been saying and all that. So that was, um, and that was where I had most of my success with winning tournaments was early coming right out of those team meetings because they were so valuable to me. Love it. Love it. Love it. And it's a, it's a great time of year, obviously, for all of us to do that, not just with you guys on course, but off the course personally to kind of look at how we're doing each category 
as a Christian and a husband and a dad and as a friend, um, and to just make, make tweaks. Um, and we're free to do that because Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. One of the things that we love doing this year, um, was when we rarely guess somebody correctly to win a golf tournament was to give some money to our favorite charities. And I went back through it in the last weeks. Um, and we've, we've been able to give to 16 different charities this year. So if you guys had to make kind of one pitch, um, at the end of the year, here's a charity I really love. And maybe somebody listening thinks, dude, I'd love to, I'd love to jump in on that as I make it a year in gift. What one charity would you want to highlight here in our last episode of the year? Well, for me, it would be College Golf Fellowship just because the work that I see College Golf Fellowship do um, through William and through so many of my friends that are part of the College Golf Fellowship staff. I see boys who play college golf who are struggling with getting through college, relationships, the most pivotal time in their whole lives, making decisions that will affect them the rest of their life, walking alongside them, um, sharing the gospel with them, and... I just see these these boys, and I, I see them come out with the gospel, with understanding grace, understanding truth better than they ever have, and wanting to walk in the light through um, community, um, and then going into whether it's professional golf or the business world, um, equipped, um, and to have mentors all around them. I just I couldn't be more encouraged. So that's just remember CGF. Um, if you guys do some year in giving, it's just such been such a gift and. I get to see it firsthand, so I'm blessed by it. I love that. I definitely agree with Ben. Um, I'll throw out uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators. Um, you want to be challenged, encouraged, uh, listeners, just Google 1040 window, um, and you'll see a picture of a map. These are the, the most unreached people groups in the world. There's roughly 3 billion people who have no access, never heard of the good news of the gospel that we have on our computers, our phones. I got 10 Bibles in my house. I mean, we, we are overloaded with scripture um, and 3 billion people around the world plus have no access and never heard of Jesus. What Bible translators, what they're, or what Wycliffe are doing so well is they're just getting either a Bible, a New Testament, or a copy of the gospel translated in these their own language, their own native tongue. And so they get to see the beauty of Christ for the first time. Um, And William and I and Ben, we've all had a chance to get to know these people. Um, I think they're doing it better than anyone. I think um, they're doing it faster than anyone. And they really have a goal. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, William, 2033 or 2035 Mm -hmm. um, to have literally a copy of scripture to every people group on planet earth. Um, So talk about return on investment. Uh, <laughs> this whole podcast is based on God's word. Uh, so let's get God's word to all people and ha- let them have access to it as well. Amen. Could not agree more. Love both of those ministries. They're both very dear to my heart. One third I might add is Compassion International. Compassion um, is a ministry that takes on those uh, who are who are in poverty. Um, and they do it in the context of the local church with an aim to point people toward Jesus Christ and not just give them um, physical bread, but to give them the bread of life. So that's a, another great bang for your buck investment at the end of the year. Man, I love those three right there. CGF, Wycliffe, Compassion. 
Let's hey, go. William, and, and William, give me the saying that God communicates with his people, but primarily he chooses to do it through. We we tell us about that? I just love that saying that you say. Um, I don't necessarily know what you're talking about off, off the top of my head, but I, I do know the primary way that God communicates with us is through his word. Yeah. Um, and yeah, back to that Wycliffe, man, that's probably our favorite thing to give to, if I'm being honest, um, because the Bible is going to be bearing fruit until Jesus comes back. And if he delays the word of God in the language of the people is going to be getting it done longer than any missionary ever will. So what I was, what I was thinking and, you know, a lot of times God communicates with us in different ways, but mostly through his word. And so it's just a reminder, even as the um, year end and starting a new year continues, like, all right, what place is God putting, um, you know, w- what importance are you putting in the word of God in your life? H- how much are you ingesting it? How much are you meditating on? How much are you praying it? Um, and, that, that just reminds me of that with the Wycliffe stuff. It's just so important that we are just setting aside time daily for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, as we're great friends here, I meant to say this earlier, like William and I have, and I'm sure y'all have done it. Uh, we've invested in a people group, uh, in the gospel or um, scripture, getting to a people group together. And so like, if you have a friend, y'all want to do it together you know, fun idea for Christmas, give your friend, you know, a thousand dollar donation to a specific uh, Bible translating project and y'all get to do it together and follow the progress together. And then, you know, maybe I've heard people love, you know, at some point when the project's finished, they go together as families to to see the scripture delivered, which that's a, a goal and a dream one day for us. Yeah. Yeah. Hard push for that. Last thing I'll say, I could talk about this the whole episode. One of my favorite things ever is... Um, John Wycliffe translated the Bible into English in 1384. Okay, 1384. Think about the role the Bible plays in our life 750 years later on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. The work that that guy did centuries ago is still getting it done for me and you. And so that's the gift you can give people. So that's a hard push for Wycliffe. Um, all right. Uh, final Christmas music recommendation. Um, Sovereign Grace Music makes great music. They've got a great Christmas album. My favorite one is called Prepare Him Room. And then on a different album, I just want to push a song in front of you. Um, it's called O Come All Ye Unfaithful. <laughs> and it talks about how the Lord welcomes us even in our faithlessness. It's a wonderful Christmas song. So check that out. Um, and now we've been bantering for 20 minutes, and so we're jumping into the scripture. We are finishing up today our Advent series. We've been asking, what child is this? Who is the baby in the manger? Um, and so far we've seen the baby in the manger is not just a little human baby. He is, he is fully human, but he is the eternal word of God. He is the light of the world, and he is God the Son. And... Now, in this episode, we want to ask, well, how do we respond to that? We've seen who he is. How should we react to him? How should we respond to him? So that's where we're going today. Um, Ben, if you'll pray for our time, and then Weber, if you would read for us one more time, John 1, 1 through 18. Yes, Lord God, what a gift it is to be known by you, um, to love you, 
and to walk with you. Uh, thanks for your word. Thanks for the way um, that it lights um, our path, Lord. So, um, Lord, help us to hear, help us to um, enjoy, and help us to just be encouraged by your word today. In Christ's name, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right, John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Okay. So we're closing out our series today. um, And we're going to see in this passage that it demands a response from us. But before we get to our response in verses 12 and 13, uh, John lets us in on how the people of Jesus's day responded to him. And so what does John say in verse 10? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Yeah. So it's it's like John can't get over who Jesus is, right? He reminds us that Jesus, the Word, the light, the Son, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. And yet, how does the world respond to him? By not knowing him. They didn't know him. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds you ever watch that show Undercover Boss? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like Undercover Boss comes in. And the people, the employees, are totally oblivious. Yep. It's like they're completely missing it. He came to the world he made, mm-hmm. and the world did not recognize him. And then John makes the same point in verse 11, but he gives it. He says it with a special nod to the people of Israel, the people who should have known him most. Mm-hmm. How did they respond to him? Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Yes. So it's not just that he came to the world and the world didn't recognize him. No, he came to his very own people, to the ones that he had been promised to for centuries and centuries. And it's worse than not just recognizing him. What, what's the idea here? They, they didn't, didn't what? They didn't know him. Yes. They didn't, they didn't believe in him. him. Yes. They didn't receive him. They didn't accept him. They didn't want him. Um. Now, it's, it's worth briefly considering here why people don't believe in Jesus. Mm. It, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. And one of the things I love about the Bible is it's true. It shoots us straight. Um, rarely, not never, but rarely do people refuse Jesus because they have a real intellectual hangup. Mm-hmm. That, that sometimes happens, okay? But it's not the, 
not the majority of the time, the majority of people refuse Jesus for a different reason. Okay. And we see that reason in John chapter three, verses 19 and 20. What does Jesus say in relation to himself? He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Okay. And then similarly, what does Jesus say in John seven seventeen? If anyone will do, um, if anyone, anyone's will is to God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. Okay, so you put these two things together. And if you said, hey, why did people in the first century reject Jesus? And why do people in the 21st century reject Jesus? What would you say? They wanted to live in their own sin. And they didn't want to give up what they were doing because they thought God's a killjoy. 100%. Mm. Yep. Pe- people love what they love. And they want what they want. And to them, Jesus gets in the way of that. This is why the Bible says people don't come to God. Mm -hmm. Um, Before coming to Christ, deep down, we love darkness rather than light. Mm -hmm. And we don't want our works to be exposed. Mm -hmm. If these people had known, had wanted to know the truth, they would know that everything Jesus was saying was straight from God. Right, but they they didn't understand it because they didn't want to, and it's just what Paul says in Ephesians four eighteen. He says uh, about the unbelieving world. He says they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? When you look at the layers, yes, they don't understand. Yes, they are ignorant. But he tells us why they're ignorant. Mm-hmm. They got a hard heart. Yep. They don't want to understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's very sobering. And that's the condition of every person before Jesus breaks in. All right. We're all in darkness and even we're loving darkness. That's the sad picture the Bible paints. But but good news comes in verse 12. Okay. Um, it doesn't have to stay this way. Mm. And when you start to see the identity of that baby in the manger, here is the word, here is the light. Here is the sun. The best Christmas gift in the world is offered to you. Okay? And we see it in verses 12 and 13. What, what did 12 and 13 say? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Yes. Okay, so let's just slow down on this because this is money. Start to finish. Okay. According to this passage, what is the proper response to Jesus? What do these verses instruct us to do? Believe. Yes. You believe it, you receive it. Yes. Receive Jesus, believe in his name. Okay. So by Jesus' name, John just means Jesus as he really is. Okay. And what have we seen of him in these last four weeks? Who is he? Who? He's the word. He's the light. He's the sun. He's just yes. full of grace and truth. Yes. He's the eternal one who always existed, and he is responsible for everything that was made, creation. He yes. is the exact imprint of God's nature, God the Father. Yes. And as that one, he brings salvation. He brings it through his death on the cross. Um, and 
when someone receives him as this, when they believe him for who he is and they believe him for what he's done, okay? When they receive him for who he is and they receive what he's done. I believe that what he did, he did for me, the phrase we love. Mm -hmm. What does God do for that person who receives Jesus, who believes in his name? I love it. He says, he gave them the right to become children of God. Yes. Praise. He, He gives you the right. It's legal language. Okay. So the same way that Ben, when you adopted crew, crew just didn't come home with you and started to get your love. That was true, but there were also legal realities, courtroom realities that he belongs to you. He has the right to be a crane. Now he has the name of a crane and legally he's yours and you're his. Okay. That's what this is saying. The one who received Jesus legally, he was given the right. He was given the authority to become a child of God for God to become father. Mm. Okay. Now all three of us have great dads, mm-hmm. right? I, I've got a dad that I love so much. You guys have great dads. Tell me just something that you love about your dad. Oh man. I just, my dad always had time for people. Um, as a professional golfer and kind of, you know, you get recognized as a PGA tour player early in my days as a pro, I kind of would keep head down. And when I was in public places and not want to be recognized. And when my dad died, it, something changed in me where I just, I want to be like him. Like he would stop. He, my dad was super focused, hard worker, but he would stop, talk to people, make them feel good. He'd be interested in them, no matter who they were. And he'd smile. I mean, all these little things, right? You're taught as a kid and he just did them. And so since he's died, I just kind of made it a goal to want to grow in that area. Just, just really make people feel loved um and just visit with people um and he did that so well and i, and I love that about him mm-hmm. man Webb, i can't think of anyone who does it better than you that's that's Thanks, so encouraging buddy. um my dad um my dad's amazing and he, what i love one of the many things i love about my dad um is that he loves people really well very similar and he's excitable he gets mm. excited about loving people. He asks them great <laughs> questions. He wants to know them. You know, he will pepper people with questions and draw out more and more and learn their story. And um, ultimately, my mom and my dad will become a part of people's lives because they care about people. Mm. And so, yeah, they're, my dad's amazing. My parents are, um, they love people well. They When they retired, you know, 15 years ago, um, I'm like, what are you guys going to do? And they're like, we just want to have the ministry of being available. I'm like, that's I've never awesome. Heard, I've never heard that, but that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Dude, you're, you're same encouragement you gave to web buddy. I give to you. You are so welcoming and yep. you make new friends better than anybody I know. So you're, you're the spitting yes. image of your dad. Thanks. Um, How about you, Willie? How about Mr. John Kane? You know, um, I love my dad so much for so many reasons. Two qualities to me that stand out most are his humility and his generosity. Mm, Um, One of the most humble men I know and one of the most generous men I know. Um, So here's, here's why I asked that question. Why I bring that up. We've all got great dads and we have benefited from having great dads. Um, Verses 12 and 13 are telling us something about dads. It's, Mm -hmm. It's telling us that almighty God, God, can become our father Mm -hmm. when we receive Jesus Christ. 
right? And and verse 13 expands on verse 12. It's not just a legal thing. What else happens according to verse 13? We were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh um, or of man, but we we're born of God. <laughs> we're born of God. Okay, what is this talking about? What happens to you when you believe in Jesus Christ? It's You're called, born again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it makes me think of Jesus telling Nicodemus, he says, you know, what, what do I have to do to, 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 does he say to be saved, William? To, to enter the kingdom of God. To enter the kingdom of God. He says, you must be born again. Mm-hmm. Like the, a, a new birth has to happen. Like we have a hard heart. There's a problem we got to have a new heart and we can't get a new heart on our own. We got to receive it from God. Yes. And through the perfect life and substitutionary death of God, the son, Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth, we believe in him. And, and a couple things happen as it relates to this passage. Number one, we're legally given the right to be brought into God's family. And mm. not only that, God puts his own spirit in us. And he makes us alive. He gives us spiritual life so that all of a sudden we have new desires and new passions and new wants and new dreams and we belong to God. And right at the center of it is Jesus himself. And when this happens, John 17, 23 tells us that God the Father starts to relate to us in the very same way that he relates to Jesus. He loves us as he loves his own son. That's how much God's children we become. Um, so if we're to ask, what do we do with the baby in the manger? According to this passage, what's the right answer? We believe and receive that he's our dad and that we, he's been, he's given us new life. Yes. Through Christ, God becomes our father. We receive him. We believe him. Um, so here's the question for our listeners. As you listen to this, while you drive in the car or work out or hit balls, have you received Jesus? Mm. Have you believed in his name? Mm-hmm. Ha- have you become a child of God? Right. And if you're listening to this, and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if God would have me. You don't know what I've done. Um, I want to ask just a couple of quick questions um, to help us understand and apply this. Um, first, guys, according to the first part of verse 12, who can receive him? What's it say? All. Yes. To all who did receive him. This is available to who? Everyone. All of us. All of us. This is available to you as you consider this. And I just want to show you how available it is by quickly just considering a couple groups, some of the first groups that came to receive Jesus at the very first Christmas. Um, who are the first guys to show up there when Jesus is born? The angels. Okay. The angels appear to the who? Shepherds. Yeah. And most of our listeners are not going to relate closely to an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the angels appear to the shepherds, right? And what do we know about these shepherds? They're out in the fields with their flocks. They're not the elite of society. Um, They had a dirty job and a job of gathering sheep. It was not well respected. Yeah. Yeah, They're working through the night, so you can probably make assumptions about their family life. Um, They're ceremonially unclean. So you can probably make assumptions about their religious life, right? They're, they're a scraggly bunch. And I don't think you have to wander too far from the text to imagine that they're probably filled with all kinds of sin and shame and feeling kind of filthy. I think that would probably be pretty normal for a shepherd. And yet when those angels, like Ben 
said, come to announce the birth of Jesus, what do they say to the shepherds in, in Luke 2, verse 11? They say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Yes. That unto word, who? You. So he's <laughs> talking you. directly at these shepherds. And they're like, yes. what? You're talking yes. to me? Yes. Unto you. I can you. get in on this? Yes. You lowly, scraggly, shame-filled shepherds. Unto you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Come and receive him. So mm. if you're listening to this and you feel like that, undeserving, unworthy, guilty, mm-hmm. shameful, Jesus wants to welcome you. He came for you. He was mm-hmm. born for you. Okay, mm-hmm. But he wasn't just born for the rascals. Okay, Let's contrast that with the guys who show up in Matthew chapter 2 after Jesus' birth. Wise men from the East. What, mm. do, we know about th- what do we know about these guys? They're Jew- They're not Jews. They're wealthy. They're outsiders. Yep. Very different than the shepherds. The opposite yep. end of the spectrum. Totally different. Yep. Um, but they're seeking. Were the shepherds seeking for God? Nope. Nope. God just happened upon them. These guys are seeking. Okay. So you mm. see all these contrasts. Jew, Gentile, poor, wealthy, um, oblivious, seeking. Right? And here are these wealthy Gentile outsiders that are interested, okay? And when they finally get to Jesus, what do they do in Matthew 2.11? They worshiped the baby. They worship him. (laughs) And they bring treasures, it says. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? Here's what this tells us. Who can come to him? Well, are you wealthy? Um. Have you been unfamiliar with this? Did you grow up without ever having considered this stuff like these magi would have? Well, there's a place for you. Jesus was born for you. And so when we put these shepherds together with these wise men and we ask again, who can receive Jesus? Who can become a child of God? What's the answer? Anyone who puts their faith in him. Yeah. Anybody. Anybody can do it. Mm. Um. So here's the million-dollar question for our listeners. Have you received him? Have you seen him as the word and the light and the sun? And have you said, Lord, I receive you. I really believe who you are, and I really believe what you've done. Um, For those who have received this unbelievable gift, what do you do when you receive a great gift? You open it. You enjoy it. Yep. You tell others about it. You go to bed at night thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. It has your attention. Yeah. And what do you do with the giver? You can't believe it. You just thank them. And you want to be close to them. You're like, that they would think that much to give you this great gift of you. It's just amazing. Totally. Yeah. So when you go to church this Christmas Eve... And when you hear these songs that you hear every year, let some new praise rise up in your heart, right? Let thank yous rise up in your heart. Let wonder fill your heart. Let mm-hmm. uh, just allow your mind to slow down and marvel that Christ came for you, no matter who you are, or where you've been, so that you can become a child of God. Um, mm. And if you, if you hadn't received them, I would just encourage you to consider, 
what's mm-hmm. holding you back? Like what's really holding you back? Is it an intellectual hang up? If it is, reach out to us. We we think there are answers for intellectual mm-hmm. hangups. Okay. If the Bible is not true, none of us want to believe it. If it is true, we think we can ask questions of it and it'll stand. Yep. Um, or if you're being really honest, is your heart not wanting to surrender? Mm. Right? Is there a quiet love for the darkness in there? Mm-hmm. And here's my question to you. If there is, how's it working out for you? Yep. Yeah. Wouldn't you find freedom in life if you came in faith to this word and this life and this son? Wouldn't you love to be welcomed into the family of God? He's holding that out to you this morning. He is. Willie, can I read one of our favorite quotes real quick? Please. Just on this point, whether, like Willie said, you, you got a darkness in your life that you're, you're afraid to give up or, you know, you're intellectually hung up. Uh, I just want to read this by our friend C.S. Lewis. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Mm -hmm. And so to the listeners, um, I used to think of a relationship with Jesus as William or Ben said earlier, as potentially a killjoy. I wanted to continue in my lifestyle and do what I wanted to do. Well, when you become a Christian, you realize, um, like this kid making mud pies in the slum, you were fooling around. Um, that You thought it, it, it was life. It wasn't life. Life comes when you surrender your life to Christ, and then His will becomes your will, and then your will becomes His will. And you start enjoying life to the fullest. You have a hope. You have an anchor that can never waver depending on our circumstances because life is going to be up and down until uh, we, we meet Jesus in heaven one day. But I have an anchor, I have a hope through all of it. Um, so I just challenge you to consider it this holiday season. Mm. Very, very well said, buddy. Um, so if you had to sum up what we've seen in this Advent series, fellas, um, or if you had to give any final encouragements to our listeners, how would you say it? Ben, why don't you start? I would say this Christmas, remind yourself and your family, you know, what child is this? Um, And we've seen in this series that God is the eternal word who reveals God. He's the light who overcomes darkness. He overcomes the darkness in us and the world. And he's also the eternal son of God who created all things and has made a way for us to be right with him through his life, death and resurrection. And let's just know him and worship him and marvel this season and share it with others. Yeah. What would you add? Um, I wouldn't add much. Um, I think William, something so powerful is to just beg God to let us see the miracle of Jesus coming and dwelling among us. Just see that miracle afresh this holiday season. We are as CS Lewis. We're far too easily pleased. We forget far too easily as well. And so just getting in this Advent season, this podcast with, with you guys the last few weeks has ignited that in me. And I'm just so excited about the next few weeks and um, anticipating and also just enjoying and marveling at God. the greatest gift is, is Jesus, the son coming to us and offering us freedom from our sin, forgiveness of our sin and a life with him adopted by him forever. Amen. Well, it's fitting to close out with these words from John's gospel uh one more time john 1 12 and 13 but to all who did receive him 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Thanks for listening to the Bible Caddy podcast. If you've got questions about Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at biblecaddy at gmail.com. You can follow us on all the socials under the handle at Bible Caddy. We'll be taking a few weeks off for Christmas, and we'll be back in early January with a brand new series to start off the new year. Until then, let's get into the Word and let the Word get into us.